This is the Inside Slant Football Podcast. And here we go, here we go. Brought to you by JayhawkSlant.com. Broadcasting around the world. Around the world. We have the latest on KU recruiting, analysis, and what the coaches and players are saying behind the scenes. Here are your hosts, Randy Withers and John Kirby. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Randy Withers back with another pregame edition of the Inside Slant podcast from JayhawkSlant.com. And man, do we have a lot to talk about. The Jayhawks suffered their first loss of the season last Saturday against TCU and head to Norman to take on the Oklahoma Sooners this Saturday. We're going to break down the game, give our predictions, and we're also going to hear from our good friend Josh McQuishan from Soonerscoop.com, the Oklahoma site on the Rivals Network. He's going to give us his perspective from behind enemy lines. We'll also have another special guest. The class of 2024 in the state of Kansas is headlined by a young man from Topeka by the name of B.J. Kennedy. We're going to have B.J. join us on the studio line, talk a little bit about his recruitment and about his recent visits, and I say visits plural, to the University of Kansas. All right, now it's time for me to go ahead and bring in my man, the publisher of JayhawkSlant.com, my friend and the, I know I always joke about it, the longest tenured man on the Kansas football beat, Mr. John Kirby. John, how you doing tonight? Randy, doing well, man. Was uh, Had a great uh, time in Lawrence today talking to the coordinators and being around the players and you know, it, just a a good feel. You know, it's a good feel about the program. I, you know, these guys. You know, they're five and one. They're they got one win away from bowl eligibility. You kind of talked to them a little, a little bit about that. And but but the big thing, Randy, I took from today is these guys are so hungry. You know, number one, they don't want to stop at a sixth win. But God, you could just tell they are ready to go on the road and play in Norman. You know, Caleb Sampson told me something interesting today. He said he looks forward to road games. He said it hmm. gives them a chance to maybe see a place they haven't had a chance to play in sometimes or or see something new. And, you know, these guys have been at home for three straight games. And, and I really think that, you know, maybe getting out on the road kind of just gives them a, a little fresh taste of something, getting away from home after being there for, for three games. Absolutely. And, you know, it's not every year, obviously, that you get the chance to go play at a place like Oklahoma. Uh, you know, a stadium with the kind of st- of, of history and tradition that they have there at OU. And, and not only that, a chance to go in there and have maybe the best shot they've had to win for the first time against Oklahoma since my freshman year at KU in September of 1997. Well, I'll tell you this, and we'll have Josh on from Sooner Scoop. These guys do a great job of covering Oklahoma. And then when we do the the opposing view on Friday, I always do a, you know, a Q&A with the the beat writer from the other team. I think you're going to see Randy, boy, there there are some things boiling down in Norman, Oklahoma right now. I mean, the, the fans are fired up. I mean, you, I mean, you go to their board and there are people on there going what happened? I mean, can we get rid of intervals? You know, can I mean, and I don't think, yeah, I, I want to say, I think I saw the bios like 50, 60 million. So I think we know the answer to that. But I mean, there are people down there 
I mean, th- th- this is uncharted territory for Oklahoma football. No question. It has been a long time. I mean, we're going back to the days of, you know, somebody on the board mentioned the, the good old days of John Blake at Oklahoma. I still remember because I lived in, in a small town in Oklahoma before my family moved to Kansas City. And, yeah, I remember after Switzer, it was Gary Gibbs. Then there was Howard Schnellenberger. There was John Blake. And then they finally hired Bob Stoops. And that was when things started to turn back into the kind of success kind of started seeing the kind of success they were used to at Oklahoma. It has been a long time since the Sooners have been in this position, and it does not shock me at all to hear that the the boosters, the fans down there are already getting restless in Norman. Now, before we get into talking about the matchup with Oklahoma, John, we've got to look back at this game against TCU and what just an, if you could if you could picture the perfect fall Saturday in Lawrence, Kansas, that is exactly what happened last week when ESPN College Game Day came to town. I mean, it was just a fantastic day, an unbelievable atmosphere for a college football game, and the Jayhawks played a heck of a football game against TCU, still come out on the losing end. John, what were your thoughts against the loss of the loss against the Horn Frogs? Yeah, Randy, you know, and I'll I'll kind of go back a day before, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind. Just obviously, Saturday was the big day. That was the game. That was the game day crew setup and everything. But I was up mm-hmm. there Friday and had a chance to talk to Reese Davis and Desmond Howard, and then that was cool. You know, that was cool. I was yeah. sitting, you know, two feet from him with the camera on, asking him questions. So you know, and then. A couple hours after that, Travis Goff comes in and announces the stadium, okay? Yes. So I, I want to make sure and go back and cover that. I know everybody was caught up on the game day and the game, but, you know, that's something to me I've noticed that's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit. You know, since that game's been played, you haven't seen a lot of people talking about Goff's big announcement, and that is huge. And what made me think of it, you know, I've got – I was going back over his quotes the other day – but tonight on Hawk Talk, Lance Leipold talked about how big that is. So that mm-hmm. is, that is going to be something that they are going to use in recruiting. Now on to the game. I mean, what a great football game. I mean, No question. You, you know, Randy, you and I were on this show last week, and I was telling you people were talking about the game against Iowa State, calling it an ugly win, okay? Mm-hmm. And I never – and I said there is no such thing as an ugly win. A win is a win, Okay. And I would probably tell you there's no such thing as a good loss. But if there is such thing as a good loss, Saturday is about as close as you can ever have it for Kansas because they went toe-to-toe. They never backed down with a team that is legit. TCU may be the best team in the Big 12. We're, we'll have to see what happens you know, when they play Oklahoma State, and there's still a lot of football to be played yet. But TCU is really good. I mean, they are big and physical, and in the right spots, they have speed and talent and size. And, you know, Jalen Daniels goes down. Jason Bean comes in, goes 260 for four touchdowns. I mean, they those kids went toe-to-toe and fought and never backed down to TCU. And Mm -hmm. in all honesty, Randy, I'm not so sure KU shouldn't have won the game. So, you know, there there were some things I got to clean up, all right? Some of the penalties there late, some of the things that happened in the fourth quarter, some of the 
the little quick outs where TCU was getting the ball to their talented receivers and they were having trouble getting them to the ground and they were creating big plays off that. But just the grit that KU showed, you know, I came back and I posted, I think it was Saturday night, and I said, you know, this goes to show you Lance Leipold is building a program. It's, it's, it's here. The the, mm-hmm. the the program, it's not built yet, but it is you are watching it in progress because teams that lose their starting quarterback that meant as much as Jalen Daniels did to have Jason Bean move in and they didn't lose a step, okay? There are a lot of teams, Randy, you can go through around the country. I'm talking good programs, good teams, that when you go from their first string guy to their second string guy, there is a drop-off. And the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is there was not a drop-off when Jason Bean went in the game. So that just shows you, n- number one, that just where the mentality of this team is. They believe they're going to win. They believe they can win. And, you know, the biggest thing to me now is putting that loss behind them and going out against Oklahoma ready to play. But but I got to tell you, I if there's ever such thing as being impressed with a loss, I was impressed with what I saw in the loss. Now, John, before we get into our predictions and start looking at this Oklahoma game, let's go ahead and welcome in our buddy Josh McQuishan from Soonerscoop.com. He talked with, uh, with you yesterday about Brent Venables and reacted to his press conference and, and starts to touch on just how crazy things are getting around that program right now. The Jayhawks are set to go on the road for the first time in a month after playing three straight at home. And to talk about the Oklahoma matchup, we are joined by Josh McQuiston from Sooner Scoop. Josh, how you doing, man? Uh, doing pretty well, John. You know, feels like a little bit of a role reversal for our conversations here. It's a uh, <laughs> little different bit of talking points between Oklahoma and Kansas this year. Well, I was just on, I, I've been on Sooner Scoop yesterday, was on there today, and man, just tell me about the the reaction. It, it, you can definitely tell everybody's a little fired up with this 3-3 three and three start. Just tell me the fan reaction. It's. I, I think it's just such confusion. There was such hope that Brent Venables was, you know, because there were so many hard feelings about the way the Lincoln-Riley era ended and just kind of how that played out and taking several of his players with him. And then Brent Venables wanted Oklahoma. And I think that made Oklahoma fans feel like, okay, we're, we're back to where we need to be. And there was a, there was a confidence in that. And I think it grew, you know, as they, they listened to, you know, people like myself and former players that were kind of welcomed back to the program in a way they hadn't been. And there was just kind of a, uh, you know, just a, I guess kind of a happy go lucky feeling is probably the best way to describe it. They, they felt like there was a lot of room uh, for growth. I mean, they, they felt like, you know, and I, I know nationally people thought, oh, they're crazy to think they might be better off. Everyone I talked to, I mean, people within the program, you know, people in the administration, it just, it felt like there was kind of a cleansing. Like everybody just finally took a deep breath. And I knew, I think people that were realistic knew there were going to be some bumps along the way. I don't think anyone expected what's happened over the last two weeks. The Kansas State game, okay. You know, you lose a tough one at home. Like, they they were competitive. It was a decent game. Adrian Martinez played outstanding. Okay, fine. You can kind of live with that. But what's happening at TCU and Texas in back-to-back weeks, that feels different. That feels like all the culture that everybody heard about, it, it, 
it doesn't match up with what people are seeing on the field, and that's that's where it gets really concerning. So I want to start off, and, and I'm assuming, I mean, has it been confirmed Dylan Gabriel will play? It has not. Now, uh, he spoke uh, to the media last night, said he feels good physically, mentally. Uh, he's go, You know, uh, Brent Venables today in his press conference said, you know, he went through everything. There's really nothing we're keeping him out of. It's strictly a concussion protocol thing that, that will be decided on Thursday. But it is – it sure looks like he's going to play. I mean, if, you know, for those that don't know – he went through all the warm-ups against Texas. I mean, now part of it was a feint. They were trying to give Texas a uh, something to think about, I think would be the easiest way to say it. But there's no denying that he seems like he is physically capable. It's just going to be a matter, can he pass his baseline concussion you know, protocols? Well, that that kind of um, rephrases what I was going to start with you then on the offense. You know, I thought he'd been clear. But so l- let me ask you, moving to the offense – if he does play, break down what he brings to the offense and, and kind of what is, what does OU like to do and who are some other players to watch? You know, he. it's interesting the perspective that I think the last six quarters without him has given Oklahoma fans. He is a guy that, I, again, I think people coming into the season thought, well, this Jeff Levy offense and Dylan Gabriel's been a part of it. And I mean, it's, they're just going to hit the ground running. And for the for the most part, they did for the first three weeks. But there were a lot of missed throws. He's really had a problem with some high throws. Now, at the same time, I mean, he's completing, I believe, something like 67% of his passes. So it's not like it's been terrible. But there's just been some moments like key third downs where he's missed some throws that could have extended drives. And that's been a little bit of an issue. But, again, that offense is a non-starter without him. I mean, and it's something everyone knew that without him, they don't have a viable backup right now. So I think that, I mean, without Dylan Gabriel, I see no path for Oklahoma maybe to win a game in the Big 12. If he's there, they're competitive in every game so long as that defense can cure some of the deals. But the the guys you really are going to want to watch are uh, Marvin Mims at wide receiver. He's probably the most high-end offensive talent that OU has. Big-time speed, can stretch you vertically, has made some big plays, and seems to have a really good rapport with Gabriel. Uh, Jalil Farouk is a uh, is a young receiver that's really starting to emerge. One of the few guys that had some strong moments against Texas. So he's coming along pretty nicely. They really think he's going to be a good player. And then in the backfield, uh, you've got three backs that eat up most of the carries. Eric Gray, uh, former Tennessee transfer that has come in, played really well. He, he's not an overwhelming physical talent like people have seen at OU at running back in you know recent memory, but he's a good, solid player, does a little bit of everything for him, a uh, good receiver out of the backfield. Marcus Majors, the bigger back, kind of a hammer, uh, has speed. I mean, he, he is the guy that if he can ever put it all together for Oklahoma – there's a lot of talent there. There's some real potential. And then finally is Javante Barnes, a uh, freshman from Las Vegas, that they think just has massive potential. And he shows it. He flashes it at times. Uh, had his first 100-yard game in that TCU loss. So he is uh, – all three of those guys are very capable of doing damage. It's just going to be a question of if Oklahoma's passing game can get going to a level that will force Kansas to back off the run game a little bit. All right, Brent Venables, I mean, he's a defensive guy, and I know he brought his coordinator with him. I mean, talk about their scheme, 
What have you seen from them? And again, back to, you know, give me a couple top players to watch. Yeah, defensively, Oklahoma's been pretty multiple through the first few games. They've run some three down front. They've run some four down front. They've had success and utter failure with both. I mean, (laughs) there's been no real rhythm or rhyme to any of it so far. It just seems like it's been very dependent on player execution and a lot of those things. You're just seeing guys making mental mistakes. I mean, this is, you know, anybody that follows Brent Venables knows this is a very complex defense, particularly in the back seven. And you're seeing a lot of busted coverages from linebackers, cornerbacks. And that's been a big part of the problem, particularly against TCU, where Oklahoma just, if they made a singular mistake, TCU just crushed them for it. And it was a, you know, uh, again, something you want to give that staff a lot of credit for. They saw some things and kind of, tricked some of OU's younger defenders into some mistakes and, again, made them pay. Um, defensively, when you're talking about talent, I think the guy, the best player in OU's defense is unlikely to be available this week, and that's Billy Bowman, uh, sophomore safety from uh, just north of the Dallas area. He is He was clearly playing the best football. I think he might be the best safety in the Big 12. Uh, took a, took a uh, hit on the knee during a kick return against TCU. He will not be available maybe – for you know the next month or so, it sounds like he could be out for a while. Uh, amongst the guys that that can be good players, that's, that's almost what you have to preface this with because it's been so bad the last few weeks. Uh, Jalen Redmond, along the defensive line, is a very talented guy, has some NFL you know potential. It's just kind of hit and miss with him. He's always had some health problems, some injury concerns, but there have been times this year where he was very good and was very dominant. And then against TCU, he was almost non-existent. So I think what you're going to see more of this week from Oklahoma is a lot more rotation. Where they are in the season, they know the Big 12 championship's not part of the equation. You're going to see more young guys. You're going to see a lot more fresh bodies kind of being cycled in and out. And that's kind of what I'm expecting. And, you know, they'll see what they get from some of these young players. And, they, again, it's Oklahoma. They've got a lot of young talent. It's just seeing where those guys can go. Well, today, just before you and I did this podcast, Lance Leipold announced that, you know, Jalen Daniels is doubtful for this game. He did not practice yesterday. So, I mean, you know, this is this is definitely going to be an interesting matchup. You know, Kansas has been hot. Oklahoma's been cold, like you said. This is a conversation you and I have never had in our 20 years that we've known each other. And um, so just tell me, Josh, what do you think about this matchup? Maybe how do you see this one playing out? You know, This is a game, and I'll be honest with you, John, even with Jalen Daniels and Dylan Gabriel, if they're both healthy, boy, I don't love that matchup for Oklahoma. Just what Kansas does, the conflicts they put guys into defensively, that screamed of a problem for this Oklahoma defense. It is just just confidence is shot. I mean, they're they're just – you can tell these are talented guys that just don't know what they're doing right now. Now – you know, it's hard. There's going to be OU fans, and I think rightfully so, that say, well, yeah, this is the same Kansas quarterback that nearly beat OU and Lawrence last year. So uh, I think there is absolute trepidation. Um, and I, I think it's it's going to come down to can that OU defense just find a baseline? They're not going to be dominant at any point this season. But can they find a way to – just make some stops. Give the ball back to your offense. Give them some opportunities. And if Dylan Gabriel's healthy, Oklahoma should be able to score some points. I, 
I, I think this could be a really interesting game, a lot of fun. I think it's going to be – it should be competitive in the second half. But what, what's funny to me is – and kind of what I started this conversation with is that if this gets lopsided, I think it gets lopsided for Kansas. I, I, I There's just – Oklahoma's defense kind of feels like a snowball effect right now. The second it starts going badly, they just – don't know how to get themselves off the mat, and I think that's going to be a problem and something this Kansas offense is, frankly, more than equipped to take advantage of. So we'll see where that goes. But like I said, I I think Oklahoma is just hoping their defense can kind of find its feet and then move into the bye week and then have Iowa State following. So, again, I I think this is going to be one of the funner games uh, in the Big 12 this week and what is, I guess, week after week now just going to be a loaded slate. Absolutely. Josh, you have been great. Thank you very much for joining us on this podcast, and uh, we'll definitely talk to you again soon, man. You and I always stay in touch and talk a little recruiting. Absolutely, Kirby. Always enjoy it, man. All right, Josh, take care. We've got another big game in Norman coming up this Saturday morning. John, what's your take on the matchup with the Sooners? Well, Randy, this is by far and away – this is the seventh game of the year, and this is the hardest one for me to read. Okay, you and I do this every week. We come mm-hmm. in. I always have a good idea of what I at least want to say or how I feel. Now, I may be wrong, but I still have a feel. Man, this one I don't. I mean, you know, we've talked about it. Um, you know, Leipold said, you know, they're game seven, man. They haven't had a bye week. They're getting some bumps and bruises. Jason Bean's in at quarterback, you know. They say Dylan Gabriel's going to start. By the time we air this podcast early Thursday morning, we're supposed to be hearing something from Oklahoma. So I'm going to go under the assumption that Gabriel is going to play. Um, Listen, Oklahoma's got their backs against the wall. All right. I mean, they have got to come out and play a good game. They've lost three in a row. I think Gabriel, when when he's running that offense, I think Oklahoma's pretty decent. I mean, I watched him put up 550 yards against Kansas State. And they were moving the ball almost whenever they wanted to. They had some dumb penalties, some costly penalties on third downs, and some first downs that they had converted got called back. Gabriel missed some wide-open guys. I saw him against Nebraska where they just went up and down the field at will. So Oklahoma on the offensive side can can create some issues. They run fast pace. They want to snap it a lot. They try to get it to where you can't sub. You know, Kansas has been subbing a lot. So, you know, there's just a lot of things in play, but there's still question marks. You know, how healthy is Gabriel? Um, I know he warmed up at Texas. There's just a lot of things going on. Oklahoma's defense, it just hasn't been that good. They're going to be missing Bowman, who's their leader, their best player. They talked mm-hmm. about playing some younger guys this week. So there's just so many unknowns going in into this game. You know, Randy, I, I'll tell you one of the things, too, that th- this has not been talked about, and and I think this is a big key. Kansas has got to where they are, a lot of it, because of the offense and the numbers they've put up and the production they've had. And that goes back, ties in to Andy Kotelnicki and the great job he's done having these guys prepared, ready to go, mixing things up with the motions and the sets and doing absolutely the quarterback run game and the option. He's got teams off balance, okay? But lately, you know, there's been a little bit more of a conservative style going on with the play call. Now I wonder what you do with Jason Bean, and let me explain. 
when you've got Jalen Daniels, you can go out and be aggressive and kind of just call the plays free. Okay, You can just go. Open the play sheet up, go. And listen, we saw it. Jalen Daniels gets hurt. Jason Bean comes in, and they look just as good or better than they did in the first half. Here's your problem now. Your backup is Ethan Vasco, a true freshman who I believe is talented. But Mm -hmm. he got on on campus in June, okay? So, I mean, you know, this is a kid that's never – he's going to be in Norman, Oklahoma if his number gets called in his first college game. My point in all this, Randy, is it's a different feel now because you can't get Jason Bean hurt. Okay. So no does, question. Does no this question now, about that? Does this affect the play calling? Does this affect the way Kotelnicki looks at it and attacks defenses? Today, he flat out said in his press conference, he will call the same game that he always has. But I'm just telling you, in the back of his mind, there has to be something sitting there where you're saying. I've got to protect my quarterback some, right? There has to be a little, another level of security that now you don't have that proven backup sitting there ready to go that if he does get hurt. So, you know, that is going to be a big key to me because that has been a big part of KU's success is how they've been able to call plays and keep teams off balance. You know, Oklahoma still has talented players. They're just not playing well right now. I, I never thought I'd say this right now, Randy, going to Norman, Oklahoma. I'm not so sure that KU isn't the better team right now. I don't know. I don't think they're the more talented team, and they certainly haven't recruited the type of players they have. But Oklahoma had a lot of guys enter the portal. They didn't replenish them through the portal when Venables got there. So there's talent, but, boy, they are struggling right now. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I said I was going with the momentum. And I was going to ride the momentum with KU. And then they lost. I'm still going to go with them. I'm going KU 31, Oklahoma 27. Let's hear yours. That's, gosh, I, it's funny because every, you know, we do this every week. And you and I talk about it. We try to have a direction coming in about where our prediction is going to go. And I, I kind of had something in mind. And then sitting here listening to you make a case, you absolutely throw it all into question now. You know, I was I was going to point to the fact that, you know, Oklahoma is still Oklahoma. That that they recruit, they have recruited at such a high level for so long that they have stockpiled talent the way some people stack cordwood. And... <laughs> Man, it's – but like you said, too, so much of it. There was such a mass exodus when Lincoln Riley left for USC. There were players that followed him there. There were players that scattered throughout college football. And it's it's hard to get a fix on this team because of the fact that so much of the talent that's there is completely untested. It is – they're an absolute unknown quantity. And then you look at the – the absolute blistering they took at the hand of Texas last week in the Red River Red River rivalry, and it's just, I mean, I I have absolutely no clue, and I'm I, I don't really know if Josh McQuestion does either. What we're going to see from the Sooners on Saturday, with that in mind, 
I think I'm going to go with you on this one again. I think I'm going to pick Kansas to go on the road, win in Norman, Oklahoma. And I think it's going to be, gosh, I, I could see this 28, 24. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see this thing 28, 27, to be quite honest. I think this is the kind of game that comes down to a an absolute snap of the ball, coin flip kind of situation. I could see Oklahoma faltering uh, just because there's so much on the line and they are under so much pressure. There's so much just criticism and and attention swirling around that program, people wanting to know what's going on. I could see them come out and absolutely put the throttle down and say, hey, we're still Oklahoma and look fantastic on Saturday. I could also see them come out flat and look confused and look like a team that has absolutely no direction. And, and like, you, hey, listen, like you said, Oklahoma can do that, okay? Mm -hmm. They've got talent at receivers. They've got talent at running back. Gabriel has the ability to move those guys. I mean, we've seen it. We've, we saw it against Kansas State. We saw it against Nebraska. We Absolutely. know that if he's healthy, they've still got a good, offensive line, a good enough offensive line. So like you said, hey, Oklahoma, they have the ability now to light you up. Okay, that can happen. Mm -hmm. I, I completely agree. And, you know, you talk about the offensive line. They have arguably the best offensive line coach in the country in Bill Biedenbaugh. They have developed offensive line talent over the last 10 years at a higher clip than I think really maybe any other program other than Bama in the country. They they do not get it wrong in the offensive line, and that's where I think they'll try to lean on that group. I think they will try to run the football. They're going to establish the run. They're also going to they're they're going to try to out physical and and try to get nasty with Kansas to see can those guys hang. We have seen the biggest the biggest thing that. Kansas has had in their favor along the defensive front this year. You know, aside from the addition of Lonnie Phelps, who has been an absolute revelation for this defense, is the depth that you and I talked about all summer long at defensive tackle and defensive end. The fact that they have a number of really solid guys that they can rotate in and out to keep them fresh. That depth is going to be tested against Oklahoma because, like you mentioned earlier, OU is going to utilize tempo. They're going to come out. They're going to try to wear Kansas out. They're going to try to catch them, you know, with their with their hands on their knees and sucking wind between snaps. And they're going to try to catch them with quick counts and and hurry up offense. I I just have this feeling after what we saw from the Jayhawks last year and what we saw from Jason Bean last year and looking at the second half against TCU where Jason Bean, yes, he made some mistakes. He's a college kid. But he threw for over 270 yards and four touchdowns. That's a backup quarterback that did that. He is familiar with the system. He's comfortable with it. Andy Kotelnicki is comfortable with him. They know exactly what they're getting. Hey, I want to I want to go back on something you said, Bill Biedenball. You're right. He his reputation and what he's done. But I was on the Sooner Scoop message board, man, and the fans were hammering him. So I mean, even Bill, Biedenball, you know, it's bad when he, they're. It, when Even, they're going after him, man. <laughs> hey, Bill Biedenball is not off limits. I mean, they were on him. And one other thing I want to bring up. You talked about the rotation of the defensive line, okay? And that is something mm -hmm. KU has really done well, and it's played to their strengths. Yes. But that is going to be tested this week because if Oklahoma starts running with tempo and they don't yep. sub out, 
you cannot sub your D lineman in and out, okay? If you've watched the KU games here lately, I mean every single time that the offense subs, KU is sending like a whole new unit on. If Oklahoma does what I've seen them do on some film so far this year, they run with the same 11. And as long as they don't bring somebody off that field, KU's got to keep their defense on the field with the same personnel. So that's just another part of that chess game that's going to be interesting. And speaking of that, you know, Kotal Nicky today at his press conference said when he watches Oklahoma, he thinks of KU's offense because he does a lot of motions, a lot of different sets. They try to do a yep. lot of different things to move the ball. Okay, they, They'll run it. They'll do the QB run game. They'll run option. They'll throw vertical. Well, he said Oklahoma, their version of their defense is what KU tries to do in offense. He said they change up their looks. They do a lot of different formations. They'll blitz. They'll pull out of it. They'll they have a lot of things they do, so that'll be an interesting chess match to watch on Saturday. We've seen some very large groups of recruits at these last three home games, John. There have been a, just we've seen huge numbers of kids coming to visit, as this Kansas staff has done a great job of taking advantage of the momentum they have on the field and directing it towards their efforts on the recruiting trail. One of those players that has visited more frequently than anyone in that group of recruits is a young man from Topeka, Kansas, Mr. B.J. Kennedy, one of the top prospects in the Sunflower State in the class of 2024, really the top prospect in the state in the class of 2024. He's our guest this week to talk about his recruitment and, and about what he has seen from the Jayhawks in his last few visits. Let's go over to the studio line now where John is going to talk with B.J. Kennedy. Our next guest is B.J. Kennedy from Topeka High, and he is one of the top recruits in the 2024 class, and he is no stranger to Lawrence, Kansas. He has been to several of the KU games this year. B.J., how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. So every time we're down on the field shooting photos, we see B.J. Kennedy. So just tell us what it's been like. You have been to almost every home game just what what has it been like watching KU this year and just the atmosphere and the crowds? It's just a blessing to be able to come come as a recruit because I used to come to a lot of the games as a kid, and now it's different to come as a recruit, and it's just a blessing. The atmosphere is really good. The fans, I love it. I love it all. Okay, so you were at, I believe, the first game of the year. What's it been like for you seeing the team grow and just kind of the momentum – that they've been picking up from that first game you went to? It's just exciting because I'm not really used to seeing KU win a lot in football. And now since they're winning, it's just exciting. So when you're on the visits, just talk about the chance, what it's like to be around the coaches and get to know them more. That's probably a good opportunity to, to get a chance to see those guys. Yeah, I just it's just getting – Building a relationship with all the coaches is nice. They text me all the time before and after every game. The times they text me before I'm coming on a visit to to the school. It's just nice building relationships with all of them. All right. So, what what KU coach do you say you talk to the most? Probably Coach Panagos or Coach or Coach S is who I talk to the most. All right. Tell me about Coach P. Coach P is cool. I like Coach P. And Coach F, Coach F is really cool. He's the one that came up to Topeka High and started recruiting me first. 
So I really like Coach Ethical. So are those guys fighting over you? Somebody is Coach Coach Fuchs trying to get you over on the offensive side? No, I, I'm I'm playing. They're recruiting me as defensive lineman. Coach P was at the game uh, last week against Washington Rural. He was at that game. Yeah, no. Hey, I was joking with you. I, I know you're a D lineman, but I I know Coach Fuchs too, man. He'll try to get you on the offensive side. Um, hey, tell me, BJ. I know you know. Obviously, Kansas has been on you. What other schools are also showing interest? Uh, a lot from Oklahoma, Michigan, Notre Dame, uh, Oklahoma State, Tennessee. Tennessee just offers. It's just been a mix of almost all the schools. I want to ask you this because last time you and I talked, we were joking about who the best athlete in your family is. You know, tell me a little bit about your your sister who's out at Stanford. Yeah, my sister. She just got to Stanford. She's a class of twenty twenty two pitcher slash hitter. Yeah, I still call myself the best athlete in the family. <laughs> I got you. All right, you have any any other visits planned? I'm going to K State when they play Oklahoma State, and then I'm going. To, uh, Oklahoma when they play Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. All right. So, BJ, I know you, you've got a full year, I mean, still, before you have to make any decisions or anything like that. You know, what's important to you? What are you looking for in a school? I want to go somewhere that's going to help me after football just because the NFL is not guaranteed. So I need to go somewhere that's going to help me get a good job and set me and my family up after football. And then I want to go somewhere that obviously that can help me reach my goals to get to the NFL. Yeah, and then last question I have for you is when I see your frame and your size, I'm thinking, okay, DN, strong side DN, maybe go into inside D lineman. Where's everybody telling you they see you? Most schools see me as a strong side defensive end, but I feel like I can put any position on the line, on the defensive line. All right, everybody, that is B.J. Kennedy, one of the top, prospects in the 2024 class and he has been to Lawrence several times and has watched the Jayhawks up close and BJ we appreciate you joining us on the podcast always thank you that was BJ Kennedy talking about his recruitment John what else is going on on the recruiting trail right now for Lance Leipold and this staff and you know, just kind of tell us maybe some of the other notable visitors over the last several weeks and give us your thoughts on where things are at right now. Yeah, Randy, you know, it's going to, okay, I think we're going to get into kind of a, a lull here because they go on the road for two weeks, all yep. right? So Agreed. obviously you have no visitors, so things will go quiet a little bit, all right? And then it's going to really pick up, and I'm going to tell you why. They're going to be out on the bye week. All right. Mm-hmm. And they are going to be out on the bye week. And when they are, I think you're going to see them all over the country. And you're going to see them just kind of doing that final touch up on homework, stopping in schools, looking at transcripts, seeing some of the players. And I think you're going to start seeing the official visits start coming out after that. So I expect after the bye week, we're going to start hearing about some guys who start planning to take their visits. I'm also interested, like I talked about earlier, to see how they start using this strategy of the 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 stadium facility announcements by Travis Goff, how they start integrating that into their recruiting plan. I'm going to be talking to guys about that. Um, this 5-1 and one start to the season, the ESPN game day, all the attention – Everything is starting to pay off. You are starting to see now recruits 
they're starting to light up a little bit when you ask them about Kansas. All of a sudden, when I reach out to guys, Randy, in the past, there'd be guys, they know I'm a KU guy. They know I represent a, a KU media outlet. They might yeah. be a little slow getting back to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, all mm-hmm. of a sudden, when you reach out to recruits, it's fast response. Hey, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to have a story written on the KU site. I've Amazing had a cu- how quick that changes. Huh? It is. And I've had a few of them where I've said, hey, I'd love to get with you, you know, get your thoughts after the game. Now I'm coming in and I'm seeing text messages. Hey, do you want to do that interview? So it's, it's been, it's been kind of interesting to see this shift at the beginning of this 2022 season and just maybe a little bit different mentality from the recruits. Um, you know, Randy, I still think, and I've said this, I still think they're going to look in that number of about 15 high school players and then 10 transfers. And when I say transfers, it could be four Juco guys and six from the portal. It could be, you know, eight from the portal and two Juco guys. But I do think that, you know, it's going to be somewhat similar to last year's class with less transfers. You won't see as many transfers. And something I do want to touch on real quick. The one thing Kansas has always had is they've been able to sell playing time. They've been able to sell, come here, you can get on the field. All right? Mm-hmm. Well, that sales pitch gets a little tougher. Because now these recruits start going, whoa, okay, hey, this Lonnie Phelps guy, hey, this Craig Young guy. You know, you start looking around and you start looking at these guys and you start going, well, I don't know if I can beat this guy out or, boy, that guy sure played well last year. So that will be another interesting thing to follow is how they they attack the transfers because the one easy draw KU's always had, come here and you are going to get a chance to get on the field. In terms of visitors – um, let's see, you had Jaden Riddell from Ray Peck tied in. He's a national mm-hmm. recruit, big time. Um, Caleb Pyfram from Omaha Central, offensive lineman, got an offer. Williams Wanary from Lee Summit North, big time guy. Dylan Mills, a quarterback, said he had a great time uh, at the at the game. He came in from California. He's got an offer. Andrew Sprague was there, an offensive lineman, six foot eight, you know, athletic kid. He's going to be a national recruit. He's a they, big time kid. He is. And, and, and Julian Marks was standing right next to him down on the field. I mean, you know, Sprague, six eight, probably 270. And I mean, Julian Marks is standing right next to him. He must be six 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 seven two fifty because I mean, he was. He was right there with him. And, uh, you know, Julian Marks picked up an offer from KU. He's in the 2025 class. We talked about B.J. Kennedy, you know, 2024 guy. We just had him on the show. So, there again, great group of recruits. These last three weeks, I'm thinking, what, 60, 70, 130? I mean, you had almost 250 recruits on campus over the last three weeks. So, no better way to showcase your program than winning, sellout crowds, and ESPN game day studio setting up on your hill. That's the final word from our man, John Kirby, and that will do it for another pregame edition of the Inside Slant podcast from JayhawkSlant.com. We talked about last week's loss to TCU. We have previewed the matchup this weekend against Oklahoma. You heard from Josh McQuishan from Soonerscoop.com talking about the, the tumult that is circling 
around that Oklahoma program right now. We gave you our predictions for the Jayhawks going into Norman, and we talked about recruiting. You heard from the top prospect in the state of Kansas in the class of, 220, uh, class of 2024, B.J. Kennedy. You are primed and ready for Saturday and the matchup against the Oklahoma Sooners. For my man, John Kirby, I'm Randy Withers. You've been listening to the Inside Slant podcast from JayhawkSlant.com. We'll talk with you again soon. This has been a podcast from JayhawkSlant.com.